Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. How are you today? Well, if, uh, if you've loved the series in Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry to say this is the last one till next fall, and then we'll pick up where we left off. And if you hated it, congratulations. This is the last one for a while. And next week, we start our new series leading into Easter. It gets better, though. And I'm super pumped about it. There are shirts for sale in the lobby and on our website. Uh, What does that mean? Come back next week and you'll find out, all right? So 1 Corinthians 11, um, he basically, there's a lot of things here. And it's about women and head coverings and all kinds of stuff like that. And some of you are like, is that what we're going to do? Yes, there's hats for the ladies. No, I'm kidding. Um, That's not where we're going. But there's a theme here about reverence in the whole chapter. And, and revering and holiness. So even this morning, you know, we don't every week, but this morning, we lingered in worship to just revere and honor the presence of God. Take a moment and just pause. Some people are like, oh, when are we getting to the message? I love you, but that's irreverent. You know, and some people who are like, don't, don't ever stop and don't ever get to the message can also be irreverent to the word of God. All right, so about five years ago or so, I think, yeah, because my wife was, uh, I think she was pregnant with Glory at the time, and we didn't know it. We took a family vacation to Washington, D.C. Anybody here ever been? Washington, D.C.? Yeah. And, uh, and, and we had a great time, um, but uh, it's had, it had its challenges. But one of the cool things that we got to do that I had never gotten to do in my life up to that point is visit Arlington National Cemetery. Anybody here ever been? Anyone? Okay, some of you are like, what is that? And I would say the public school system failed you. God bless them. (laughs) But that's all right, it failed most of us, including me. So, thank God for Bible college. So, we went to Arlington National Cemetery and we walked around and there's a few rules in Arlington National Cemetery. You guys can put those pictures up. and what we did is, is it is, uh, it is uh, basically it's a giant cemetery for um, those who are in all the armed services. Um, and it's one of the highest honors to be buried in the Arlington National Cemetery for our military. And there's a major spirit and attitude of reverence in this place. It's also the location of the tomb of the unknown soldier. So if you don't know, that is probably the most, um, holy is probably not the word, but I can't think of a better one, maybe sacred spots for our U.S. military in the country. Is that fair to say for all, all those who serve in the country? And what it is, is it's a representation. There are actual soldiers in the tomb that are unknown, but even more so they're a representation 
of all of those who were lost or killed in war that we don't know what happened to them. And there is, you can go see it, there is a changing of the guard that happens. Does anybody know how often that happens? Is it, is it every hour? No, it's every so many hours. There's a point in times, and to go see it, you have to make sure you can get in the schedule and that it's open. And uh, we're very fortunate because that week was like, there's a, there's a national bike week where bikers from across the country actually converge on it and, and offer their, offer their um, honor, their condolences. And we're fortunate to get in, but it is serious business, the changing of the guard. So soldiers watch for hours this tomb. And it is a reverent moment. You're not allowed to laugh. You're not allowed to scream. You're not allowed to talk. You can tape and take videos, and we did, and take pictures. Uh, You're allowed to do that, but that's it. Because it is considered a sacred, almost holy place in honor and in reverence, which it's really neat. As a matter of fact, here's a, here's a quick short video. This is not from my time there, uh, but there is a moment, and you can YouTube it. There's, there's long moments of those who basically practice their irreverence and what can they, because they have the authorization to arrest you or shoot you if you, <laughs> if you break the reverence in that place. They have, they have authority to do so. Now, they don't. That's not what they start with. They start with telling you to stop. And then they'll tell you to stop louder. <laughs> and then they'll come for you. That did not happen to us. We, we had a good attitude the whole way in, the whole way back. And it was a long walk, too, from the front all the way. If you've ever done it, that's a long haul. It's a good, it's almost, I think it's almost a mile from when you enter to the tomb of the unknown soldier. But here's a moment of the crowd deciding to not, again, this isn't from me. This is on YouTube. Um, of the crowd deciding to laugh in a moment during the changing of the guard. Take a look at this. That's it. But notice, uh, and, and notice the crowd gets quiet because the crowd understands that is a loaded gun. That is not a pretend weapon. Uh, and he has the authority to use it if he needs to. He has the authority to arrest them if he needs to. Okay? Uh, and it has happened on a very rare occasion. And if you've never been, D.C. is just an amazing place to see. Now, for the monuments and all the things, it, it's, it's really quite powerful um, to see. One of, the, one of the newer monuments I had not seen was the one to, to uh, the Korean War, which is almost eerie. Um, the soldiers are full standing lifelike and you can kind of walk through them. And there's numerous, the Vietnam Wall, um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. King's uh, monument, and numerous others. But when you're there, there's a, there's a reverence for most people. No matter what you think of America, you're reminded people paid their lives to have what we have. You say, well, America's got this, and you know, every country has its brokenness and its past. No doubt about it. But when you go there, you're reminded, you know, of this, hold on, people paid a high price for this, 
for this type of freedom. For us, for us to just sit and gather here, large portions of the world, we're not allowed to do this. Here we can. And there's something so special that God's hand is upon it. And in 1 Corinthians 11, he's talking to this church that has gotten way off, and he's trying to pull them back in. And he's talked to them, and we've talked about it over the last few weeks, about there are some things you have freedom in that you can just, it's fine, just go ahead and do it. Meet to idols versus not, and, and what's permissible versus what's beneficial. There's a lot of things, but he, the main thing he dives into here is reverence. So if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians 11. And I'm going to start at verse 3, uh, and I'm going to read through verse 16. But there's one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. A man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head. For this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear head covering, head covering, she should cut off all her hair. But since it's shameful for a woman to have her hair cut off or head shaved, she should wear a head covering. A man shouldn't wear anything on his head when worshiping, for a man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, and a woman reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man wasn't made from woman, but woman was made from man. For this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she's under authority. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born of a woman, and everything comes from God." Judge for yourselves, is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy? For it's been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say we have no other custom than this. And neither do God's other churches. All right, I want to do a quick side note before we dive into the complexity of this for now. Because some of you are about to be like, this church is weird, and why, why, you know, some of you, like, it's your first time here. There's rarely a Sunday we have a church, we, we don't have new people. And, and then you start in this, and they're like, and I'm out. Hold on, hang with me. First, some people trying to argue this type of scripture, that women can't be leaders or in ministry. I'm just going to break this down real quick for you. We are not that type of church. There are, basically, there's kind of two streams, complementarian versus egalitarian. Complementarian, ironically, is the one that says women can't be in leadership and often shouldn't teach. We do not believe that. We believe that women can be in leadership and can teach, and this scripture doesn't reflect that. It's talking about a cultural issue in the moment, and the greater truth is reverence, which we'll dive into in a moment. But... If you think, yep, nope, women shouldn't, and you're of that stream, and you're of that background, which I don't know if we have any of those here, I wouldn't raise your hand if I were you. Good luck with that. But if you are that person, let's just break it down really quick. Deborah in the Old Testament was a general and a prophetess. Acts 2, they quote, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Romans 16, Phoebe is a deacon in the New Testament church. Priscilla and Aquila raised up Apollos. and uh, Andronicus and Junia are notable apostles in the New Testament. Tryphena and Tryphosa are ministers in the New Testament. 
Acts 21, Philip's four daughters all prophesied and led in the church. If you think that it's only an exception to the rule, you have not been paying attention to the whole book. When the Bible talks about men being over women, and even in this section, it's talking about how God set up an order. And at the end of the day, I answer to God for my household even more than my wife does. Does she answer to God? Yes, we both do. But at the end of the day, it's going to fall to me. All right? In a local church, can a woman be a pastor? Absolutely. Can a woman teach? Absolutely. Can a woman be a great leader? Duh. Of course. Okay? Mother's Day is coming up. You better know that. (laughs) But we also believe uh, in men and women in equal submission. In this case, okay, in this case, when he talks about women wearing head coverings, okay, the question is, can we, because you get into dangerous territory, what's cultural versus what's literal in the Bible? Because as a rule, we believe we live the Bible today, correct? The Bible is the word of God, we believe it, and we live it out. But to what extent is what's the thing we apply right now, and what is maybe a cultural thing? I would argue the greater narrative he's talking about here is reverence in the house. In the house of God, amidst God's people, and in a gathering of worship, there's got to be reverence. Here's what was happening. First, the Corinth church looked like everybody else. I mean, it talked about like one guy was sleeping with his mother-in-law or stepmother. Like, it's kind of messed up, right? Even Paul said, even the world doesn't do this. How messed up are you? And they're talking about because of God's grace, it's all fine. No, it is not fine. This is messed up. And then he said, and, and none of that, you've, you've, he's, he's trying to, they're way out on the brink and he's trying to pull them back in. He, notice he said in the passage, the culture everywhere does this. Women in these gatherings wore a head covering. The church is doing this. Don't call yourself the exception to this moment of reverence. So if you would say, There's, there is a church, if you, anybody wants to go, I know a church in our area where the women wear head coverings, and they're not allowed to speak in the gathering. If you want to go there, I can give you the name, good luck. <laughs> there are no instruments as well, whole other thing, right? <laughs> and, and, and if you want to do that, more power to you. Are they believers? I think they are. Are they bound up in a serious sense of legalism? Absolutely. Hard for us to be bound in legalism, we're in a gym. Right? (laughs) Years ago, we used to, when we first met, it was like, we got to cover up all the windows and all the lights, and pipe and drapes got to be everywhere, and it's got to, so that it feels entirely like you're at a church. And eventually, after a while, we just realized, you know, we're not fooling everybody. The smell alone gives away. We're in a gym. (laughs) Nobody didn't know we were in a gym, you know? So, so we're creating that space. We're not going to be bound up in legalism, but we've also got to figure out what are we reverent about and how are we reverent and what are the things that were cultural to the Bible and what's the greater truth that we have to pull out from this? 
So this was a moment, if you look at the whole of the Bible, right? He's also talking about women in ministry, and then some say, well, women can't be in ministry because of this passage. And I, I would say, but again, to understand the Bible well, you have to understand the whole, not the Bible in parts. The Bible in parts brings a lot of confusion. It's a whole story of God, not parts of a story. Well, do we see the entire New Testament Paul hammering on women wearing head coverings? Yes, no? No. It's here because he's talking to a church. We don't have this issue. But the American church does have a greater issue that is right here, and that's one for reverence and in the house. How many of us on a Sunday morning do just stupid things? You know, like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stream it today. And then it's like, well, I didn't really stream it. <laughs> I skipped past this, you know. Well, I'm gonna hang out in the foyer and I'm gonna fill up my coffee for the eighth time today. You know, God's the Lord speaking to me in the foyer with this Danish. <laughs> That's what we do, you know, in worship. How many of us, like, we started this morning, and I'm not picking on anybody. We started this morning, it was like, well, thanks for coming out, both of you. <laughs> like, that was what it was. Why? Because we're not that reverent. We're just not. And there's got to change in us. That's what's got to shift. This moment that says, I'm meeting with the Lord now. And for the next 90 minutes or so, even though it's a gym, this is the house of the Lord. I know I'm the house of the Lord. Buildings aren't God's house. We are. But God inhabits the praises of his people. There is something powerful when his people come together. I'm sorry, but none of our quiet times are nearly as impactful as us all coming together. Now, it's not one or the other, it's both and. But there's something holy in this moment together. When we come together and worship, there's something about it. I don't, I've never met anybody who said, I went to church regularly and I really regret it. The only maybe people who might say that are those who deconstructed. And I would argue irreverence is a big problem in their life. They destroyed the foundations they were standing on, and now they stand on nothing, and they're resentful about it. Even more so, they're irreverent. Their life has no reverence. So this head covering thing is cultural. In their case, in that moment, it was sin, because it was irreverent, because this is what the church did everywhere. Let's put it into context. If I went up to somebody and I was like, hey, Jen, how much money do you make? Don't answer. <laughs> how many of you would be like, what? <laughs> what did Pastor Brian just say? How dare you ask that question? Why? Now, there are other cultures in the world you can ask, and they don't care. They're not offended. But here, it's offensive. I would argue to the point that it's sinful because it becomes a stumbling block to her and to others who might hear that. You see what I'm saying? They had disregarded any form of reverence in their house and said, God covers us, it's all fine. And Paul is trying to pull them back and say, no, it's not fine. 
show some reverence in the house. How many of us? Now, we're going to, in a couple weeks, this place is going to be packed for Easter. And we are going to have a party because the resurrection is the greatest reason to celebrate of all time. And it's going to be a great day. And it's going to be more celebration than reverence. And that's okay because there's moments for that too. But what we're not going to do is take things lightly. We're not going to take his word lightly or his house or his people. And we are living in a time where there is reverence for nothing. How many people know a whole lot of people who are extremely reverent about our country? You know some, but you probably don't know a lot. Say, well, I don't like America and this. Okay, fine, 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 fine. Then what are you reverent about, though? Forget the country, okay? How many people know when it comes to God's presence, they're reverent about it? I heard a neat story back in Bible college, a guy who'd never read the Bible his entire life. But it would sit in this house and, and sit on, a, sit on a, either a nightstand or a mantle or something. And one day somebody puts like a drink on top of it and he yells and he yells at his kids or something. He's like, take that off there. That's the word of God. No, he didn't read it, which is very problematic. But he still had a reverence for God's word. You don't mess with it. You may not have been living with it, but it wouldn't let an outright rejection of it or lowering of it happen in his home. Do we have that kind of reverence? Do we have kind of reverence in the house that says a holy God is entering our midst and we're trying to come into his presence and lift up his name? The God of the universe is here who created all things, who has no beginning and no end, who formed the foundations of the earth, who is sinless, who commands all things, who's the Alpha and the Omega, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who in one moment could take my life away. And it's only by his grace I get to keep living it. Who authored all things, who split the waters, who called Abraham out, who burned the unquenchable fire in the burning bush, who rolled the stone away, who descended on the church, who maintained the church for thousands of years, who sacrificed everything at the cross, who threw Satan down from heaven, who authored your name before eternity passed. Do we have that kind of reverence when we come here and in our lives? We understand that God loves us. We don't often understand that he is holy. There's a whole thing, there's large portions of the Bible that talk about fearing God. People don't fall away because God loves them and they forget about it. People fall away from God because they don't fear him. And here's the deal. Some are like, I don't like that. I don't really care. (laughs) This is what the Bible says. 
This is what he said. Like, this isn't Brian talking. The word of God says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We sin repeatedly because we don't fear him. We blow off Sundays because we don't fear him. We blow off covenant because we don't fear him. We don't have, I don't have to give. I, it's the New Testament. I don't have to give financially. Here we go. That's what Brian's talking about. I knew it. It's in a box. It's online. You can give. Nobody's passing a plate. It's up to you. Nobody's measuring your worth based on your giving. But if we're unwilling to, it's not me you're keeping it from or the church. It's the Lord. And it's because we don't fear him. We have no reverence. We have so little, and we can grow in that. Now, I'm not beating you up, church. I'm not saying you. I'm saying you, like the church everywhere. We've lost so much reverence. How many of us post memes about the current or the last or the next administration just mocking? Because we have no reverence for that office anymore. And to be fair, they don't either. We've had presidents who didn't honor the covenant of marriage for more time than I can remember now, before my lifetime. Why? Because they have no reverence for the Lord, for covenant. And while we are just human and just men and women, we are called to something higher. And if we don't live that way, we get to where we are now. A man can be a woman, a woman can be a man. Why? Because we have no reverence. We don't care about a creator. We'll create it ourselves. And it's not helping anybody. It's destroying lives. I've known people who left a transgender life. And they will tell you how destructive it is. It's destructive. And it's not, oh, here we go, politics. No, 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 no. It's not politics. It's a creation issue. It's a reverence issue. It's a rejecting who God made us. That being said, transgender, we all do it. We just haven't all done it when it comes to our gender. We all reject our creator somewhere. And how many of us, just on a Sunday morning, casually, treat God like, well, today, I, I, you know what? I'm going to give you one of these, Lord. Hmm. <laughs> you know, in our worship, and you're like, I'm being super, super spiritual. Second hand's going up. Whoa, <laughs> the earth is shaking, you know? And it's like, he's God of the universe. We can lay prostrate, and it's not enough. Reverence is a heart posture that comes out in a physical gesture. And in, in the house, like, are we early? Are we late? Is there grace? Of course there is. Is anybody judging somebody who's late? No. People have all kinds of reasons. And we are under grace. Thank God for the New Testament and the New Covenant. But man, that reverence in our lives brings something to, to our lives many people don't have. That treats God as holy. How many of us just scroll during the message? We zone out. Well, I don't sing. I don't really. Well, 
We're not singing to you. <laughs> we don't ever take a note. I don't close my eyes. If a cop pulled you over, would you be like, hey, man, high five, huh? I know you love me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you'd be weird or drunk. <laughs> you know, most of us would. Why? There's reverence in that moment. Why? Because he has a gun. <laughs> but, I mean, that's true. Well, God is holy, and he can send us to hell. We're not reverent with him. Religious isn't reverent either, just so you know. All the rules, all dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's. No, that's just bringing God down to our level, saying, I can meet his standard and exceed it. Religion isn't either. Reverence is a posture of the heart that I know God is holy and he's worthy of my all. I can never give him my all because I'm human. But I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to fall short. And I'm going to get up and keep trying. Reverence is a posture of the heart. For example, if I, religion versus reverence, what does that mean, Pastor Brian? If I take my wife out on a date, but I don't engage with her, and I'm like, yeah, honey, uh uh-huh, yep, I love you too, we're on a date, right? Yes, I love you. Like, (laughs) not a good date, not going to end well. (laughs) Right? <laughs> yeah. Fair. But I'm checking the box. See, you can come here and still not be reverent. You can do all the things and still not be reverent. Reverence is here saying, Lord, you are, as we sang, worthy of it all. You're worthy of everything I could bring. So, for men, and for the men, he's like, take, take the head coverings off. If your hair's too long, cut it. Like, just look respectable. Oh, I think the greater narrative there for us is not about what you wear. Not a, no, no, no. The greater narrative is remove the barriers that keep you from reverence. Reverence in the house and reverence in your life. What are the things that cause you? What, just, just a few things. When, you, when you're on a date with your wife, put away the phone. When you're with the Lord, put it away. When you're with the Lord, nobody else is worthy of your time. I'm not saying, but again, is there grace? If, if your kid's bleeding, you can stop. God will understand. <laughs> right? But if somebody's texting you about work, like, I need that email replied to. You know what? I'm with the Lord right now. I'll get back to you. You see what I mean? See the difference? I'm with the Lord right now. Holiness, reverence. It's a good thing. All right, and then he moves to the table. Eucharist, communion, however you want to refer to it. He moves to the table of the Lord. And here's here's what he says in, jump down to verse 17. But in the following instructions, I can't praise you. It sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it, but of course there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. 
what? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you not want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this, for I pass on you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death till he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That's why you should examine yourself before eating and drinking the cup. If you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. But if we had examined ourselves, we wouldn't be judged by God in this way. He even says, to come to this table with irreverence and go about it wrongly will bring judgment into your life. could even bring sickness and death. Now some of you are like, I've never seen that. Well, it's not Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, drink it wrong and you turn into a skeleton. But sin enough in our lives breeds death. They're coming to this table and they're treating it just like a meal out with friends. How many of us, we treat it so simply? Matter of fact, the one, it's one thing Catholic Church kind of does really, really well. I'm not that, that, not that they don't do more than one thing well. Okay, some of you are, are Catholic or formerly. Okay, but Catholics believe in a thing called transubstantiation. And what they actually believe in is that the bread and the wine become the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. You have to go through CCD until you can take your first communion. It is the big deal. And for Catholics, it's the holiest moment in the service. The holiest thing. Now, we don't believe this becomes the literal body and blood. Why? Because the Bible doesn't say it, and it's kind of (laughs) weird. But there's something very awesome about their reverence to this moment. Those who are Lutheran believe in the thing called consubstantiation, which basically means same idea. It's not literally, but substantively it still is. But we often in our circles, our more evangelical circles, we, we kind of, well, we take it and it's good and that's, that's, that's important. We, we treat the word or worship holier often. And yet, nowhere in the Bible does it say, make sure the band really rocks every week. <laughs> like it, it, does, it doesn't say that. Make sure the speaker is really solid and makes good points. You know, dresses well. Which I do all of that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I do. But week to week, right? It doesn't, what it does say is do this every week. Or, or do this when you're gathering. Now, we, we don't actually, every week, we probably about once a month have this moment. But what we'll do is we take it, we have it on our own, we go about our day. But do we ever pause and say, God, if anything's between you and me before I have this moment, if anything's not quite right, would you, would, would you forgive me? 
I remember what you did for me, and it, you saved my life, Lord. You're my everything. You're my world. I am nothing without you. This made me clean. This took me from condemnation back to life. This gave me purpose and a reason. This moment is holy. I love you, but it, like, this is not a moment where you're like, I'm going to grab my two-year-old and let him drink some juice. and what? Like, no, because they don't understand what this means yet. See, we don't have a class, and you don't, no, because we understand it's a heart posture. What we do ask is you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Otherwise, don't touch it, because you're condemning yourself. This doesn't mean anything to you yet. But if you know him, when you come to the table, come with reverence. Come with a moment that says, God, I, I could never have earned this. I couldn't buy my way here. I couldn't religious my way here. I couldn't check enough boxes. I'm a sinner and I'm fallen. But this is the moment you changed all that. And you didn't just do it for me, you did it for the whole world. Eternity passed for every life that ever existed if they just come to this table and say, yes, come into my life, Jesus, change me. So today, we're going to take this table together and we're going to do it in reverence. So we're going to come get the elements together, but don't don't crack them open. We're going to do it together in a holy moment. And as we do, before we do, when you get your elements and you just head back to your seat, let's stay standing and take a moment and God say, look, whatever's between you and me, I'm sorry. Maybe you need to apologize to somebody else. Say, man, I've been bitter. Or I've held this over your head. I'm sorry. One thing about this table is you can't have unforgiveness towards somebody else because it's a mockery of how much God forgave you. What anybody ever did to you is nothing in comparison to what we've done to him. And he forgave us. This is a holy moment. It may not be the literal body and blood, but he's literally in this moment. And it's literally a moment that says you you are holy and I am unworthy in this table somehow through this moment of the cross you make me worthy you take me from death to life what a holy God thank you so much for spending some time with us we hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.